Guys, thanks for tuning in to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is actually episode number 303, and this is the part two episode where Jason Harrison, the founder of Kuyu, is answering uh, Brad and Travis Wiest's questions about their 21-day uh, backpack hunt in the Northwest Territories for doll sheep, mountain caribou, and moose. And uh, I hope you got to hear uh, episode 302. You're going to enjoy this episode 303 as they continue to cover all of the gear and all of the uh, hunt preparation, just basically everything from A to Z that uh, the Wiest brothers are going to need to think about for their upcoming hunt. I hope you guys have found a lot of value in these two episodes. If you guys have any additional questions, please feel free to email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com or send me a direct message on Instagram and I will try and get the answer for you. I really appreciate your support of my podcast and I also thank the, the uh, sponsors of this podcast, Go Hunt Insider, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, Phonescope.com, and The Outdoorsman's. And you can check the show notes uh, of this podcast down below uh, and uh, see the uh, different discount uh, that that the companies are offering using the promo code. So, uh, guys, let's get right to this episode and uh, let me know what you think about it. I love getting feedback from you guys. That extra warmth of the Chinook? Okay. Uh, you're going to want the versatility that the Alpine will give you? Okay. That's That would be a great choice. You're definitely going to need the Yukon Gators. Yep. Okay. What about later in the in the moose kit bag? What uh, pants should we throw in for that latter part of the hunt? I mean, that that's where you may want to think about the chinooks um, for, okay. for the later part of the hunt. That way, if you get some some colder weather, you get some wet you know some wet conditions. Soft shell has a tendency to to repel the water and wind a little bit better. Okay, all right. And I'll give you a clean clean pant to jump into for that that portion of your hunt. Yeah, yeah, got you. Probably the Chinooks or the guy, the guides would be a good choice. Either one. Yeah. Either one would be great. Yeah, the guides are just a little bit warmer than the Chinooks. Yep, yep, gotcha. Is there, as far as durability goes, is there uh, any differences in the durability of the of the four different pants, those those choices? Yeah, the, the, it's a good question. I mean, they're, they're all durable. I think it just depends on the different types of conditions and situations. The the Guide pant is our most durable pant yeah. by construction, probably followed by the Chinook and then followed by the Attack, and probably the Alpines are least durable, but it's you know durability is an issue with that fabric. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, the Travis and I have both. Four. We've we've worn the Alpines uh, on you know for a while now, and the, of course the Attack pants we've worn those for years and years, and then the guides too, and they've all been real tough. The Chinooks are probably the pants that we have the least experience with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you have guide pants, I'd bring those for Moose Hunt. Okay. All right. Okay. For for rain gear on our hunt, would you say the Chugach is the way to go? Chugach would be fine. It okay. would. Um, if you know, money is no object and space and weight is an object, you bring the Yukon for your Moose Hunt, but you won't really need it. You have Chugach, you'll be fine. Okay. Got it. And the in the NX the ultralight stuff would probably not be durable enough, huh? Yeah, leave it at home. Okay, got it. Yeah, you'll be you. I mean, there's a you will be in your ringer every day. Okay, okay. You'll get weather that comes through, and and a lot of times it's just you know a, a rainstorm that pops through for an hour and then goes away. But yeah, you'll be in and out of your ringer all day. Yeah, most okay. So yep. I wouldn't recommend the, the NX just because you'll spend too much time in it and you could end up uh, tearing it potentially. In that yeah, gotcha. Well, I, Travis and I, like in a, in Alaska, I mean, we were in our, our Chugach rain gear, I mean, like almost every day. And in BC, I've been in it, and, and I mean, it is bomb-proof gear. It is. It's great stuff. I mean, for the weight and the durability, I mean, that being a three-layer fabric, it's if that weight is outstanding. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, good. Uh, what would you do on gloves? You know, for that trip, I mean, I don't go into sheep country without my without the guide glove or a new attack glove is what I'll take now, just for okay. hand protection. And I don't know how comfortable you guys are with shooting with gloves on, 
but it's always recommend you know bringing a guide glove or a new attack glove which is a little bit thinner version of the guide glove not quite as warm maybe if your trip i'd choose the guide glove just for traveling the country and yeah. protecting your hands from slips and falls and sharp rocks and stuff around camp whether you're clearing out tent platforms or grabbing wood or, or moving rocks on the runway for the plane to land you you're going to want a, a work type glove like the attack uh, the guide glove is and it's really what i created it for Okay, and you know those are easier to get off than the attack glove if to to shoot, um, but you definitely want the guy glove, and then for your later hunt, I would recommend the North Star. Okay, all right, and then uh, any need for waterproof glove on the sheep sheep portion, like the Yukon glove, or or do you think we can get away? You know, with you could like you could cho- you could choose light. the you could choose the Yukon glove for the, for your sheep portion of the hunt. That would be would be another great choice, and that one is waterproof. And it has a little more insulation with your later season hunt. Might make more sense than the guy just thinking about it, talking to me about it. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm used to just running the guy glove, and if it gets wet, it dries, and I don't worry about it too much. But actually, with your hunt, I'd probably recommend the Yukon. Okay. okay. Yeah, and I have a tendency to get cold hands, uh, really, really cold hands. My hands get really numb. But I was, uh, and I, I even, I've got mine set up so I, I run the, a large in the uh, Yukon glove, and then I run a, a medium in like the. Uh, you know the Peloton or the Merino yep. thin gloves, and I, I can. Yeah, I recommend the Peloton for that hunt. Yeah, no, that's a that's what I do. It's a great choice. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, and shooting with gloves, I you know I can't do it with with thicker gloves. I have to have a if I shoot with a glove at all, it's got to be a really thin thin glove. So like the, the Peloton, really thin glove would be something I could shoot in. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. You think you think we'd be warm enough to you know with the the Peloton 200 under the Yukon glove in the later part of the hunt, or should we also consider, you know, t- uh, you know, bring, putting the glassing mitt in the kit for the moose kit? Either the glassing mitt or the North Star. Or the North Star. You'll want a warmer glove for the for the later portion of your hunt. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. The one benefit of the North yeah. Star is you're going to be able to use your fingers, whereas the glassing mitt is basically just a shell, right, that's just going to keep your uh, hands warm. Yeah, well, I mean, you're going to need a warm glove. Right. For your later portion, you need the North Star Club okay. for sure. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And then for uh, another, you know, headgear, probably ball cap, and then would you do the like the 145 Merino beanie and neck gaiter, or would you do like the Peloton? I would bring the 145 neck gaiter for sure. I never leave home without it. And uh-huh. then I would, on that trip, I would bring... God, probably both. I like the lightweight merino to sleep in if it's cold. I like it for yeah. for climbing if it's cold and windy. Mm-hmm. Um, I could throw it over the top of my hat and pull it down, and turn with a one forty five neck gaiter turn turn it into a balaclava. And then I'll bring the two forty as well. You'll need both. Gotcha. Okay. The two forty right. yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. Awesome. And then, and then any extra clothes, waterproof stuff, stuff sack, like you said before. Yeah, and really for me, on like your sheep hunt, I won't. That's everything we talked about on the kit layering system. That's all I'm bringing. Um, yeah. I don't bring an extra pant. I don't bring an extra anything, uh, other right. than socks. And I bring for you guys. I probably bring maybe two pairs of extra socks besides the one you're besides the socks you're wearing. And okay. Two pairs. Bag. And then okay. Uh, you know I bring a. A couple pairs of, uh, you know, Peloton briefs. Okay. On the socks, Jason, would you, on the the sheep hunt, would you just carry one extra pair of socks, or would you, should we take two for the sheep portion and then have extra socks on the moose, for the moose kit? You know, I normally only bring one extra pair, and, you know, last year in the Yukon, we were in and out of rivers so much, I wish I had a, a, a third pair of socks with me just to, so I could actually get into a dry pair because they weren't always drying. Okay. Uh, up there, you're, you're probably in that sheep country not going to be in, in as much water. You could get away with one extra pair of socks. Gotcha. It just depends okay. on, on what's important to you. A, a third pair wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Um, yeah. But, again, it just depends how many ounces and grams you want to shave. Yeah. Okay. All right. Jason, do you, yeah, wear t- do you wear two pairs of socks like Brendan, or do you just wear one pair? Like you, I just you wear, like wear our our, knee, our our over calf. I bring our over calf socks, just one pair. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> what? The uh, um, 
So let's tr- talk about boots since we're talking about socks real quick. Obviously, you guys sell a range of boots. I'd, I'd like to like you to talk about you know y'all's boots. I, I, I know on your your recent uh, um, live event, uh, which I watched, uh, you know you covered some of that. But maybe on this podcast, it'd be good to cover the sure. boots and kind of which ones you think are best for what type of trip, and maybe which ones you think you'd recommend Brad and I try. Um, I'm I, I forget the names of them real quick. I think that the kind of the middle one is the K, right? The Rebel K. Rebel K is what I'd recommend for you guys. And yeah. you know, there's, a, I mean, I, what, why I created these this boot line with Scarpa and, and instead of trying to adopt what they currently had is to really get a boot that was designed specifically for the type of conditions and things that we do as hunters, which is different than mountaineering. I mean, we're going to be, you know, traveling a range of conditions, a range of topographies, not just all straight up and down mountains where a really stiff boot is needed, but uncomfortable, you know, walking the valley floor with with a heavy pack on. And yeah. the other thing I wanted to do is take the all the modern and technical advancements that Scarpa's created on the upper portion of their boots and put it in a combination with the mid and outsole that we did to have the perfect blend. The really spent last couple of years over at Scarpa's facility with the design team, you know, studying materials and talking to them about modern synthetics and boots and how far they've come and all the advantages and getting to experience them. And testing this boot line last year, it's such a massive advantage by using all synthetic versus yeah. boots with leather. And you know, the leather just it, it's going to hold moisture, and when it gets wet, it doesn't breathe as well. It uh, will keep your foot colder, keep your you know keep moisture into the boot, and doesn't dry. So your your boots become heavier. They will create boot stretch. And your your boot will fit differently at the end of your hunt than the beginning, and and then as they dry and and get wet again, that leather will crack and it'll hit your waterproof breathable membrane and crack it and split it, so your boots start to leak. And the the boots we created um, obviously solve those problems, but also the synthetic materials are lighter than leather. They dry faster, keep your foot drier because they breathe so much better, and they don't hold moisture. And then we used a, a, a kind of the newest. Um, development in boot fit, which is their sock fit. So your foot just slides in. There isn't the bulk of a tongue, which obviously saves weight, but also just gives you a really comfortable fit around your around your foot. And then the material they have has a little stretch and give in it that, that makes that sock fit just incredibly comfortable. Um, mm. And these boots weigh a pound less per boot than like our our Grand Drews that we recommended previous to this for for sheep hunts. And yeah. Just a far superior product that weighs less than anything that's ever been created for mountain hunting. Awesome! I can't wait to put some miles on them. The, uh, yeah, that always. Uh, no, absolutely. I was just going to recommend that too. I mean, the su- what's great about the Superfeet? It gives you um, rigidity in and around your arch. It just keeps that foot from sliding around. I don't know if you guys have used those in the past, but I won't go in the mountains without them. Yeah, yeah, we've we've used them, and they they make a big difference. They do. Jason, what what about the so the that y'all also have that boot, the Rebel Ultra D, GTX that has the built-in gaiters. Yep. What, when would you recommend that over the Rebel K? Well, for me, that's what I'm going to take on cheap hunts. Um, it, that was going to be my other suggestion to you guys. Um, it's a more robust boot. It's got a, a larger lug Vibram sole. Um, it's more. It's going to have a little. It's going to be a little bit stiffer than the Rebel K. And then obviously has that built-in gaiter that comes up and covers your can cover your socks, or you can tuck your socks down in there for stream crossings. Um, uh-huh. it, it, again, it's going to de- kind of be dependent on what you guys are used to. If you're not used to a stiff mountaineering style boot, I'd recommend the Rebel K. Okay. If you're used to a stiff boot and you like and you know the you, the, you like those advantages that come with it, then the new Rebel Ultra that we're going to release um, in a couple weeks would be something to consider. And it's like I said, it's it's kind of going to be what you prefer and what you're used to. Um, if you're not used to a stiff mountaineering style boot, I'd recommend the Rebel K because you're going to be doing stocking, and the stiffness may feel a little awkward to you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Both are great choices. Do you always run your Yukon Gators? Always. Yeah. In that country, absolutely. Okay. Yep. Do you ever take a backup set of boots on a hunt like this? Like, uh, I mean, mm. like delete at the base camp? I, I never do, um, only because I spend so much time in my boots and blister my feet before. Um, you know, I don't have an. I've never ever had a problem with my boots in that country. You will want something to cross streams with. So a lot of guys bring Crocs. 
Okay. Um, you, I, I bring trail running shoes just because I want a backup pair of shoes that I could do something with. If for some reason I had a problem with my boots, I've got a pair of trail runners that I can at least hike out in, which would be a lot better than a pair of Crocs. <laughs> so that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it. I was thinking Crocs, but uh, that, I guess yeah. that's a, that could be a big... I guess if you had, you're saying you had like a blowout, like your soul blew out or something or whatever, something tore yeah. loose. Or your feet were so destroyed in blisters that you couldn't get in your boots anymore. At least you got something you could potentially, you know, stock something in or hike in. Yeah. Right. That's how yeah. I look at it. And then the other thing is just crossing rivers with Crocs versus trainers. I just, my feet are better in those. They don't slop around. They don't get gravel inside of it. Um, they feel more secure in my feet. Yeah. Okay. That's why I choose trail runners. Again, it's most people choose Crocs because they're lighter and they're easier to get your foot in and out of. But I always bring trail runners. Do you yeah. know any you know any trail running lines that are you know better in terms of like maybe drying out faster or just you know? I just look for the. I I try to look at weight on those. Um, okay, just find something light and just get something really light. Okay. Because you don't need okay. a lot. I mean, you don't need a really robust trail running shoe unless you already have one um, that you like. Mm-hmm. But, I I forget the name of the I think I was running a um oh there's a, a outdoor shoe company that builds one that's really lightweight it's got some <coughs> sticky rubber on the bottom I can't remember the brand name though is it mm-hmm. like gotcha. a, is it like a on King, the Jason it might be yeah Keens are heavy when you're um, talking about trail runner are you talking like a Teva or are you talking like a running shoe no I bring a running shoe okay okay like a trail running shoe yeah okay. okay. Okay, um, I get yeah trail running tennis shoe yeah like, yep gotcha okay like Merrell's or uh, Merrell Merrell makes a really lightweight one that's the brand I was trying to think of oh okay All Merrell's right. got some pretty sticky rubber and they make some uh-huh. of the, they make a pair that's really light and doesn't have a lot of cushioning uh-huh. that's the one I bring okay yeah and you're not getting waterproof because you're going to be walking nope. in a stream with them they get wet so yep yep yeah. Okay. So when I walk it. in, when I walk into a retail store that sells running shoes, and I take my postal scale with me, they're going to look at me funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and obviously, hey. I mean, I'm, you, you probably have a, a paracord or something in your kit, which we're going to talk about emergency kits here in a little bit. But just to, in case you have a lace blowout or something like that, um, I would assume, right? Um, I do. Yeah, I'll bring. I have paracord for that. I use. Yeah, as a multi-purpose use. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. you don't you don't take an actual extra set of laces in case that you just in a double duty paracord. I'm sure, right? No. Usually, if I blow out a lace, I'll just tie a knot in it. Keep going. I don't even switch yeah. it out. Don't even. Okay. okay. Gotcha. So what? Uh, one of the other things that Tavis had suggested to us, which uh, we have no experience in these kind of boots, uh, which is called pack boots, and uh, he said that he kind of he was recommending that we get a pair of pack boots and put those in our moose kit for the mm-hmm. moose hunting portion and he was saying maybe it was even more so for the cold than it was necessarily for like the swampy conditions but i'm, I'm we've obviously we've looked at pack boots we even ordered some and tried them on and sent them back because we were scared uh but <laughs> we uh we were curious what your thoughts were on that so i just did a moose hunt in the yukon the year before last with my dad with our bows and and we wore chenay pack boots uh-huh. And their tallest one, it goes. They go almost up to your knee. And yep. for the, it, they're, I mean, they're built for moose hunting. And the swampy stuff you go through, the cold weather, and it's they are hard to beat for the moose portion of your hunt. Okay, and they are going to keep your feet warm, and you can buy extra inserts. Um, you can switch them out if they get wet. And I know why Tavis is recommending them because they're awesome for moose hunting. They really okay. <clears throat> yeah, and, and if I have I have cold feet, cold feet issues. That you think this would be something I really would be wise to consider? Hundred percent, absolutely. And I get the tallest ones they make. Okay, and they have a million little lace hooks, and they lace them up. And but man, they're they're outstanding for for those late season moose hunts. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Sweet. Yeah, awesome. definitely nothing you want to take on your sheep portion of your hunt. <laughs> but you'll love them for the for the moose moose party hunt. They're they're uh, yeah. great. I, you know, when Tavis first told was telling me about all this stuff, and he 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 hadn't yet told me that 
we were going to be changing locations or kind of how we were going to change locations that I could pack an extra bag that I didn't have to carry on the sheep hunt. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm going to have to carry that when I'm sheep hunting. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's switch gears and uh, talk to you about packs. Um, so so uh, I'm assuming that for our sheep hunt, the Icon Pro 7200 is going to be your recommendation, right? It, yeah, it would. I mean, you could get away with the Ultra 6000, but the, if you're going to be up in that country with, with sheep and caribou, I would probably recommend the 7200. Okay. <clears throat> Jason, I have, I have the, the uh, Icon 7000 with the old-style frame that I used, I think, on my last grizzly backpack hunt, and I, and I loved it. Um, I've been happy with the pack. Um, do you think are there are there reasons why I should consider go ahead, you know, just going ahead and upgrading and getting the seventy two hundred Icon Pro over the seven thousand that I've got? I've got kids to feed. Yeah, well, that's a good reason, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I got a daughter that's going to get married, and I got to put him through college, so absolutely need to upgrade. And yeah, we don't even discuss it anymore. <laughs> okay. Let's do a trade-in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, newer, the newer version of our packs are just upgrades from what you had. The frames, you know, obviously have been re-engineered, redesigned with the latest advancements in um, spread-to-carbon fiber. It's stiffer and stronger than what your pack currently has. And the upgrades to the pack and the packs and the bags and the suspensions all been upgraded from, that, from those versions. We work on them every single year. And they've yeah. come you know, a substantially long way from, from the pack that you have. And I'd probably, I mean, one thing you don't want to have is, is, um, you know, an issue with a pack. Not that you'd have it with that because you've used it in the past. And I never have, I've never had an issue with any of our packs. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's a good excuse to get the newest, latest, greatest. And we just released our new 17 packs and mm-hmm. they're just, they're just awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I like the pack. I don't, you know, I uh, don't want to, you know, spend money wastefully, but I also am very willing to spend money if it's going to put me into better gear that would make a difference to me when I'm out there. Well, think, yeah, the and you'll be able to get it. Yeah, and you'll be able to add in the other smaller bags on that system, the current ones um, versus uh-huh. the older packs, which you know the modularity doesn't quite work as well with the with the new bags, and so. Yeah. Yeah, just upgrading it to the our seventeen pack would allow you to transfer into the smaller packs too in the modular system. Yeah. Okay. And so, so when you, you guys have three frame sizes now on the the new frames, right? We do. Yeah. How tall are you guys? That's a good question. Okay, so I am six two and weigh about two hundred pounds right now. You want the yeah? You want the extra tall frame? Okay. For yeah. sure, I'm a I'm a I'm a really tall five nine and a half, Jason. <laughs> Do you have a long torso or a short t- torso? No, honestly, I don't know. I I, I guess that's I, I, the determining factor. Then is your torso length, and so we need to measure that. How do you measure that? Well, how what's your inseam length? Uh, thirty thirty uh, thirty two thirty or thirty two. I mean, I guess a, a thirty fits fine, but uh, you want to be in the? I put you in the tall frame. Tall, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Most people yeah. undersize the frames, and it probably has to do with how we tagged them, you know, regular and tall. But uh-huh. you get in that five nine, five ten range. I like to see in the tall, in the large or the tall frame, hmm. okay. especially under heavy loads, as that pack gets weighed down. You want to make sure that geometry is um, at a forty-five degree angle off your load lifters down to your shoulder straps, and and that at times when you're in that five nine, five ten range. The the regular size frame is just isn't tall enough for you. You it's okay. there's no problem going taller. It's it's a problem when you don't have a tall enough frame. Huh. Gotcha. Yep. Travis. Yeah, you were saying the load the load lifter straps, Jason. You want you want those to be at a forty five degree angle. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Coming off the top of the bag down to your shoulder straps, forty five degree okay. angle. And you want to test that at home with weight. Yeah. You want to load them up with sixty pounds and then stand in the mirror and look at it. And if it's not at a 45-degree angle. You want to adjust those pack straps until you you have that correct angle. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
when you when you're packing your pack, uh, you uh, you put lighter items towards the bottom and then heavier stuff higher up, right? Correct. Yeah, and you want to get the heavy yeah. like the food bag is going to be your heaviest, and that goes you know against the back panel. Yeah, and we've got those okay. lashing straps of the new packs. You can you can lash it in, and you know what I use for food food packing bags, which are outstanding, is our our zippered meat bags. Yeah. Okay. And then I've got then I've got them for double duty. Yeah. I keep stuff organized. Yeah. So I use a zippered meat bag for yeah. my dehydrated meals, and then a zippered meat bag for my individual pack lunches that I'll bring. Okay. Yeah. And then you got your two zippered meat bags uh, there to be used if you when you knock something down. Yeah, and if you kill early, it's just a good problem that you now don't have a, a meat bag for your food to be in. At that, yeah, at that point, you don't care. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you can always put your food obviously in your pack or, or somewhere, yeah. but um, and yeah. use those meat bags. Okay. Gotcha. We love running the bow holder too, Jason. That uh, that's an awesome product. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it works great. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Travis, you want to talk about electronics? Other stuff? Yeah. And the other, I guess, the other item on the packs too is a rain cover. You you always take a rain cover, I guess. I'm the worst. I never bring one, and every time I don't, I wish I did. <laughs> okay. So my pack, like last year, some of the hunts I've had, you know, you get some rain and it dries out. But last year, we just got pounded with rain every day, and and my pack was soaked and just remained soaked. It's it's a good idea to bring one. It's just nice to have a dry pack, yeah. even though my stuff's always in dry bags and protected against moisture. Um, yeah, I'd recommend bringing one. It's okay. so light and small. Yeah, might yep. as well. Do you put your pack and all your gear inside your tent at night? I do. Yeah, I'll use okay. one side of my vestibule for my pack and boots. Um, and then on the other side, I'm leaving somewhat open so I can have a stove there in the morning and make coffee and um, yeah. you know, anything else I might have to need that space for. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's, we're going to jump into a kind of electronics and other gear right now, and so some of this stuff will kind of bounce through pretty quick, I guess. But, uh, you know, do you have any recommendations on, like, a good compact, you know, rugged camera? Uh, Sony, I, I, ju- I just bought a Sony, and I really like it. And there's a couple different versions that are they're point and shoot. And they range in, in price. The one I bought was pretty expensive. It was over $1,000. Um, I can't remember the exact model. They make one that's in that 700 to $800 range. make another one that's in that 1000 to $1,200 range, and they're compact, and they shoot an amazing photo. And uh, Blaze Duros, who's my... F- our in-house videographer and photographer recommended them. And okay. um, they don't have removable lenses, which I like, but they've got a great zoom, and they have they use a, a, a mirror system in, that Sony has patented that just takes an incredible picture. It's got a lot of different options to it. And it also shoots video as well. And it's crystal awesome. clear. It's amazing. Jason, could but you maybe... The best bang for your buck in photography. Okay. I assume it's... Is it a waterproof camera or not? No, it's not waterproof. No, nope. so I'll put it okay. in a small dry bag and put it in the camera case. Yep. Okay. Jason, yeah. could you okay. maybe put a picture of that or something on your Instagram account, or 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 maybe text me a picture if not um, of that camera of what the Sony is? Yeah. Yeah, I'll send you the link. How's that? Perfect. Cool. So uh, you know the power cell and solar charger. Um, um, I've got the Goal Zero. Uh, Nomad, I guess, uh, power cell, but I've never used a solar charger. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm just curious how, how that how that sucker works, kind of how you use it. You know, is it something you, you leave at camp set up and you just charge your power pack and then you, you know, that's if you're kind of leaving, what leaving le- your camp and day, day hunting away? or What electronics are you going to bring, I guess is the question. Well, I guess, uh, obviously, uh, let's talk about that's a good question then. So, I guess... I was gonna I was gonna take my iPhone because I I've gotten to where I run my iPhone in a, a life proof case and I like the GPS on my iPhone better than I do my Garmin mm-hmm. um, and I like I like the having the the highly detailed topo maps like when we went to Alaska they had we had one to ten one to ten contour topo maps of the entire area and I looked at the Tavis's area and there's the same thing we have the one to ten contour topo maps of the entire you know and so it's I thought that, that I just found it really nice to have great detailed topo maps, and I, I really I'm very familiar, highly familiar with the functionality of my 
my GPS on my iPhone. I was also planning on maybe using it as double duty with my sat phone and getting like an Iridium Go, um, which mm-hmm. connects Bluetooth to the iPhone. And so that's that, that's kind of was my plan to run with that. And so I, I don't have any experience with uh, GPS watches or any kind of like, I guess, mountaineering type watches where they have al- altimeters and stuff like that. And I didn't know if that was something that I needed to, to look into. I was going to ask you about that. Um, obviously, I'm going to take a headlamp. Uh, and I was going to take two headlamps. I was going to run the, uh, oh, I guess it's, uh, <clears throat> I'm trying to remember which one of the, the pencils it is. Uh, you guys carried it, uh, or maybe you still do, but it's, uh, it's not the biggest one, but it was a little bit smaller, one of the ones, the rechargeable ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. I was going to carry that, the little E-Lite uh, as my backup headlamp and extra battery for it. But then, so I guess I'd have several things that needed to be recharged, possibly the headlamp, the the Iridium Go yeah, and the uh, iPhone. And the Iridium Go is for, um, what does that do? Just connect your iPhone out so you can make calls? Yeah, you can, you can, make, calls, send, you can make calls, send emails, and send texts. It's really okay. small and light. Um, like I said, Bluetooth, Bluetooth connects to your iPhone, and then you can, you can use it just like a sat phone. Okay. Yeah, Travis, yeah, Travis and I used it in Alaska, Jason, and we really liked it because we, both of us were able to use the same Iridium Go you you can only have one phone actually calling at one time, but like while well, if Travis is on the phone, I could queue up text messages, and then as soon as Travis hung up, they they it shoot him out, and so it, it was kind of neat. Yeah, it's, it's waterproof. It was a it was pretty cool to be able to turn your basically just turn your iPhone into a sat phone. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to be running your iPhone for multi purpose i definitely bring the solar panel and a battery pack to plug into it at night or during the day and what i'll do is i'll leave that solar panel out of my tent the roof mm-hmm. of my tent during the day and just and then if or if you're hiking all day you can you can strap to the outside of your like the upper portion of your pack lid if you feel like you're just not getting enough charge or you okay. need you need to have a charge and then i would probably bring and bring a bigger battery pack for that for the solar charger and then bring a smaller backup battery pack to have in your pack should your phone get low on batteries during the day you're using your gps a lot okay okay because obviously if you're going to rely on that gps in your phone you got to make sure you've got batteries if you're i mean i've had days in arctic red where i hiked for 24 straight hours throughout the yeah. night to get back to camp wow. and so you just want to make sure that You've, you're, if you're going to rely on that GPS, you're going to have backup batteries to charge your phone if it's getting run down. Because my phone typically yeah. goes through batteries pretty quick. And yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's one of the downsides. Uh, yeah, it is. The good thing is you can put it in airplane mode, and, and the GPS runs perfectly without in airplane mode, and it doesn't suck any extra battery down. So mm-hmm. that is. But uh, yeah, cool. yeah, well, uh, I would stay with it for sure. Um, and having something to call home versus asking the guide for a sat phone is always a good thing because they never like to to use it. Tavis kind of discourages it. So uh, yeah, figure with the length of the trip we're going to be on that 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 would be pretty important to our families to be able to stay in communication like that. Yeah, I bring yeah. a sat phone and call home almost every day, just yeah. just for my wife's um, ease her mind. Yeah, ease her mind. Yeah, I'm still alive. Got to keep mama yeah. happy. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice yeah, to right. so, Talk to the kids. So we, we, we were also going to take, as far as just kind of other gear, too, I think that kind of covers the electronics, but, uh, you know, we were going to take a titanium spoon and a cup, uh, sunglasses, wind checker, um, a book, glassing pad, and trekking poles. And let's talk a bit about trekking poles and ice axe. Okay. Uh, what do you got? Bo- both, both are fine choices. I, obviously, I prefer an ice axe. And I prefer having one hand free versus two trekking poles in my hands. It's just what I've what I've gotten used to. What I love about the ice axe is it's a multi-purpose mountain tool, and um, I can dig out tent platforms. I can knock down willows if you're going to have to set up a camp where there's willows you got to break down. Um, you can chop firewood with it. You can use it to clean out areas with, for a runway. Um, I've used it on stalks where I'm on a side of a really steep mountain. I need to pop my pack off, and I have no place to put it, and it's going to tumble down the mountain. I'll bury that front point of that ice axe in and hang my pack on it. And you can't do that with trekking poles. Ice axe is, is more durable than a trekking pole. I've seen people put trekking poles into the into boulder fields and snap them off a lot mm. on several occasions on those hunts. And the the 
the track and pull that we sell is just a lot more durable, or excuse me, ice axe that we sell is a lot more durable than anybody's trekking pole, no matter what brand, just about how it's built. And, um, and it's just a really good tool. And I, and I like the hand position on a ice axe versus a trekking pole. You have a, but if you're palm down, you have a, uh, it's a stronger position if you need to catch yourself in a fall than with your hand at an angle or your arm at an angle. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it does. And I like having one hand free and shifting it back and forth as needed um, mm-hmm. and versus both hands in the trekking poles. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. And it, looks way, and, it, and it looks way cooler in photos. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so important. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And actually, I know, I, I know Brandon's used one at one point for bear defense. Came across a black bear oh, close God. distance and, and had to hit him with his ice axe across the nose. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think on one of the uh, YouTube videos, Brennan was saying he had trekking poles and you had the ice axe and he had to borrow yours sometimes to clear his tent spot and stuff like that. So, oh, yeah. yeah last yeah. year in the Yukon, we had it with a guide and he looked at me like, why in the heck are you bringing an ice axe? And then halfway through the trip, he kept borrowing it and I ended up leaving it with him. He asked if he could keep it. <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> He's like, I get it. Sorry I give you a hard time to start. Yeah, I think it was the first. I think it was the first guy I regret to bring an ice axe, and they kind of, you know, I got off the plane at base camp. They're all looking at me like a nuts. Yeah. <laughs> now have. But after they watch me use it for so many different things, they all end up getting them. Yeah. <laughs> hey, going back on the watches, you had mentioned that you like uh, on one of the videos. I think that you like using the the Garmin GPS watch. Is that still your go to watch for the? I used it last year. I used it last year, and I actually prefer the Sunto. And I think it might just be because I'm used to the Sunto. Oh, okay. And Garmin has more features to it, but it also ate up more batteries. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to get a lot more life out of my Sunto than the Garmin. Mm-hmm. Either are good choices. I, I, I know a lot. Most of the guys here in the office now have switched over to the Garmin, and I think I'm just yeah. old school, and I like to use what I'm used to, and I'm familiar with the the use of the Sunto. Both okay. are great choices, and, and that's what I use for my GPS, my compass, my altimeter. Mm-hmm. Yep, got it. And it's simple and easy to use, and mm-hmm. it's on your wrist, so you'll use it. Yeah. And I'll you always mark base camp. I'll also mark, you know, if I kill, knock down a ram and we have to come back to get them, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll hit GPS coordinates throughout the trip. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I always have a little actual magnetic compass, I guess, to... In my emergency kit too, but uh, yep, boy, the GPS sure is nice. Yeah. So, Brad, you want to talk about emergency kit stuff? Yeah, hey, sure. Quickly though, quick, I want to back up a couple. You mentioned headlamps, and yeah, the the headlamp you guys are chosen. I'm assuming it's our it's our it's our Petzl headlamp without the battery pack on the back, correct? Yeah, That's I right. Yeah, the battery pack snapped in the front. Right. Yeah. That that's. That's probably fine. Um, I wouldn't recommend the little micro e-light for backup on your trip. I would recommend two of those. Okay. Um, and the reason is you guys are going to be later in the season spending more time at night, and if you have a problem with your headlamp, you're going to want a, 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 a full headlamp as a backup. Okay. And be incredibly careful with that headlamp when you put it away and making sure that you lock that headlamp so it can't turn itself back on. One thing I don't like about the headlamp is it's easy to throw in your pack and have it get turned on. Yeah, and drain your yeah battery. I noticed that. One of the things I like about the, the other headlamp with the, with the battery pack in the back, it's got a cable that comes around. You can untwist that cable in a second and pull it apart. There's no way for that headlamp to come on your pack. And well, it's got more power and, more, and, and um, has a more powerful stream, in which I've relied on it in a lot of situations in that country. And you're Wait, do you remember the name of the Jason? Yeah, I'll, I'll pull them up real quick. It's the, the Petzl yeah. Now is the, the Now is the, is the one you're talking about, Jason, that you can unplug in the back, I think. It is, yep. And I've used that headlamp for years. Um, yeah. And I, I, it's, it's got me out of some bad situations in that country. Yeah. I've been in snowstorms and, and, and rain and rain and fog. Yeah. And, you know, we've gone because you can you'll descend through country for the first time at night with a heavy pack load and a storm, and you could walk yourself right into a cliff situation. Not that you go off the cliffs, 
but it yeah. can make it just getting down through there really difficult, or you might be descending into, into a spot that, that cliffs out and you can't get down and through, and a really powerful headlamp can help identify that. And I, it's, okay. it saved me on several occasions. And that yeah. now is, it has just a, it's a really powerful headlamp, and I won't go into that country without that headlamp. And then I bring the other one as a backup. Which is the... Okay. And that, that one, the Reactic, Reactic, I think is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Yep. And then now is my main headlamp, and the Reactic's my backup. So you don't even take the little E-light, then? Uh, not in that country. It's too important to have a, a full-blown backup. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So you're yeah. So, that, so the now would be your primary. The reactic would be your secondary, and that would be your your go-to system for that. Yep. And then you can recharge your your now when you get back to camp at night, which I do. Plug it in okay. and recharge it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the reactic uses batteries, or how does it work? It has a battery system too. And then for the now, um, all and I don't know if we carry backup batteries. I've had multiple of them, so I carry I carry an entire separate uh, battery pack I can plug in on that now. Okay. So but if you bring a re- if you bring in an extra rechargeable battery for your phone, you could use that as well. Okay. Yeah. Quick was- question would be um, if if you were going on the same hunt like I am next year, but way earlier in the season where you're going to have you know pretty much daylight the whole you know all the time, would you get as careful about bringing those two headlamps, or would you just take one with maybe an? Well, you going on the you're going on the first end of the season, right in July? Right. Next next year though. Yeah, I would take – you're fine with the E-Light. Or, no, you're fine with bringing the E-Light and either the Reactive or the Now. Okay, just because of you're more, not gonna, more I mean, light. It's hardly going to get dark. Right, right. Yeah, it's hardly going to get dark okay. on your trip, if at all. Okay. And it okay. almost gets just twilight and then gets then gets light again. So, yeah, I wouldn't uh, worry about that. It's it's a later season hunts when you're – when it's pitch black and you, you're in a storm and you're in the fog and you're descending with a heavy pack weight or just getting off the mountain is where you're going to want that really powerful headlamp. Okay. Being being yeah, cavemen, Jason, too, we love headlamps, so we can never have headlamps. You can't. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, they get, they yeah. get you out of bad situations, as you guys know. You have absolutely. And, and always got to have a backup, bad too. situation if you don't. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Got to. Rule yeah. three in caving. You know, always take three light sources and always take three people on the trip and always tell three people where you're going when you'll be back. Yep. Good. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. That that was. I'm glad we jumped back into that. Um, so... On uh, talk, going into the emergency kit, um, so Jason, what what do you what do you make sure you have in your emergency kit? You know, first aid kit, and then like your your personal kit. What what all are you making sure you carry in in, in those three little bags? Let's start with personal kit. I bring a you know travel toothbrush. Yeah, obviously some toothpaste. I like to brush my teeth a couple times a day, and then I'll bring ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. I will also go to a doctor uh, prior to my hunt, and I'll get a strong antibiotic, like an X pack. Okay. You heard of X packs? Um, X pack uh, or Z pack or Z pack? Excuse me, Z pack. Correct. Yeah. yeah. We're basically yeah. nuke, nuke your system of any illness you might get, and that's really to protect yourself against traveling up north and catching something. Okay. And you'll right. take that before you go? No, I'll have it in my pack. Okay. Gotcha. And then also, yeah, and then also, um, and then also bring a strong painkiller like a Vicodin and get like 10 okay. pills for that. Should you have some sort of, you know, you blow out your knee or rupture in the Achilles. Okay. You have something to deal with severe pain. Okay. And then yep. um, I bring, you know, obviously some sunblock and uh, a, a deodorant that has no scent, so like an Arm and Hammer type of deodorant. Mm-hmm. And then I'll bring um, wet wipes. Yep. And I'll dehydrate those wet wipes before I go in. Um, you can either uh-huh. set them outside in the sun, or you can put them in a microwave, or both. Okay. And I'll take all the moisture out of them so they're totally dry and light. And then I will bring two Ziploc bags for those. And I'll put a small portion in one Ziploc bag, add some water to it, and rehydrate or put the water back into them. And then I'll leave the others dehydrated and just rotate them as needed. It saves, yeah. ends up saving you quite a bit of weight. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, I will bring blister care. I will bring Band-Aids. Um, I will bring, you know, first aid type of, of product. Okay. 
something to do with you know cleaning out a cut like a some sort of cream antibacterial Neosporine or something like that yeah. yeah something like that yeah exactly yeah okay. um, and then I don't know if you guys have any issues with like chafing or have had those problems but I know um, some guys will bring like a small tube of Vaseline okay which can help in those situations gotcha and then obviously I bring at least two tubes of a chapstick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, if you ask Brandon about his experience in the one sheep hunting on without chapstick, you never leave it at home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Got it. that's um, that's your personal kit there. Yeah, and and that's your that's your personal kit and your first aid stuff, right? Yeah, personal first aid, and then on on my emergency kit, obviously a really great fire starting source and there's a trioxane, uh, like a trioxane tablet or what you tell me yes something that you can get lit and you know there's lots of different choices out there i use mm-hmm. a tube of what's called fire paste okay you get it from like an rei and i'll squirt that into a like an old film canister a plastic canister like that and i'll yeah. fill it all the way to the top but it can be the tablet it can be the any type of really good fire starter that burns hot is fine um, obviously, I, I will bring a torch. The problem with traveling with a torch it, up north is if they see it in your bag, they'll pull it from you. Lighters I've had go through more than than if it's the torch. They have a tendency to pull it out of your bags if they see it in X-ray. Um, okay. And I'll bring multiple, you know, at least two really good large size lighters. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to bring um, two emergency blankets, space blankets. Okay. And I like two because there's you can use one for shelter, one to wrap yourself up with, or if you need to lay on the ground, you can pull you lay on one and pull the other one over you to keep moisture off your off your body if you need it. Okay, and I guess you're speaking from experience. You've had to use them before. You know, I I haven't had to use my space blankets before, but I have talked to people that have spent the night out with one, and I always say I wish I had a second. Ah, uh, okay. They also make space blanket bags, like a sleeping bag you get into, but I've heard the condensation just gets crazy in those things, and you end up getting oh. wet. So. And yeah. you get more versatility. If you have to use you can use a space blanket and, and um, you know, tie it to a tree and create a wind shelter if you need to, and then have yeah. a second one to wrap around your body. Okay. Um, and then that's, that's all I bring for you know, staying out overnight. <laughs> Besides, I never leave camp without my super down, never leave camp without my rain gear. Okay. And I'm going to have most of my system with me anyways, and so I can I could spend the night out in my rain gear and all mm-hmm. my layering system, including my super down, and, and you know some really in most conditions. Um, you know, yeah. obviously it's getting out of the wind. If you if you broke a leg or, or hurt a knee and you couldn't move the space blankets and be able to create some sort of wind shelter with those is, would be important. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Do you, do you take like some of that uh, tenacious tape or any? Uh, kind of I will bring tenacious. Like yes, absolutely. That was I was going to lead into that. Yeah, you want to bring some tenacious tape. It's a great repair tape for rain gear, for gaiters, for your your sleeping pad if you pop a hole in it. Uh huh. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Got it. Yeah. And then some uh, paracord. Uh, we'll have some, some then I'll bring a, yeah I'll bring some paracord as well. Yep. Okay. Got it. What about your what about knife? Do you just carry a Havilon and that's it, or do you do you carry one of those real light? I think y'all for a while carried those kest, those uh, Kestrel knives. Yeah, I carry. I I like the Kestrel knives, but only because I don't like Havilons. I end up okay. cutting myself too much with Havilon, changing <laughs> the blades out, breaking blades off. I like the function of a a a, a true knife. Uh-huh. Um, and um, whether it's uh, you know I, I'm friends with Nate at Kestrel right now. I'm using the steel bladed full handle knives. Mm-hmm. Over the lightweight titaniums, um, but I've used the titanium knives to skin out caribou and sheep in the past, and they work fine. Um, I've just been going to a full blow knife. I seem to like that even better than the weight savings that on the titanium is. You're not, it's not that much more. So I like a, a true knife. Now Brandon, he always carries a Havilon because that's what he likes and is used to. Okay. Yeah, just personal preference on a knife. The Havlons are great, though. I mean, switching out the blades and it's so yeah. freaking sharp. It's it's hard to beat. They are, yeah, yeah. Do you, are, like, you, are you do you take a backup uh, little knife, or do you, or you just take you get your one knife? I use I bring just one knife. Yep. You carry that on your on your uh, 
pack waste belt or how do you where do you no, or you put I, it inside your I pack? Just keep, I just now I just keep it in one of the one of the pockets inside the pack. Okay. Yep. You don't have it out, so you know if you have to stab a bear or something, huh? I've got a I've got a gun and an ice axe I'd use first. Being from Texas and and carrying weapons is kind of commonplace around here. So you know, yeah. if Brad doesn't have a pocket knife on him, there's usually usually he's something more powerful than a pocket knife on Brad. But you know, so he yeah. he doesn't have several that, weapons on him. But he he feels naked. Yeah, the best thing to do if you guys come across a bear is throw the guy in the ground and then run. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to throw him down because I'm sure the guy's going to be faster than Travis and I. Or if he's passing you, tackle him or trip him up. But that's the best bear protection you can have is just throw the guide into the bear's way. Use an ice axe and I can like, throw it like a tomahawk at the guide. Yeah. Knock him down. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, speaking of weaponry, let's talk about weapons. Um, so, you know, obviously we're, we're taking bows, but uh, we... Mm-hmm. I'm curious when you go, um, you know, typically you've, you've rifle hunted, I guess. You, do you take a backup gun? No, you know, I don't. I never bring a backup gun. Never bring a backup gun. Okay. I was just okay, one. Uh, it's really well. I've done a ton of bow hunting too in my life, and ton of bow hunting backpack, you know, backpack bow hunts. Um, yeah. I've never had to bring a backup bow, or never needed one. Um, but if you guys have, a, you guys sound like you may not shoot the same draw length. I mean, leaving one at base camp would be something to consider. Yeah. Since you're going to be going for so long, yeah. and you got yeah. so much invested, I would probably bring a backup bow and leave it at base camp. They'll fly it in yeah. if there's a problem with your current setup. Gotcha. That's, we yeah. have planned to do that, and we we have we have had to use backups on trips, and it's it's a uh, boy, it sure isn't fun to spend the amount of money that these trips cost and time no. away from family and work, and to not have your weapon. No, you, absolutely, <laughs> but, uh, and they'll fly it in if you have a problem. And you're just in really rough, rugged terrain. It would be easy to slip and fall and. Um, yep. you know, tear, tear a cable or, or destroy a bow. bow. So yep. I'd absolutely bring it's one. Happened. It's happened. Yep. So, mm-hmm. um, do you, uh, how much ammo do you take? And, and I mean, I carry for your carry. hunt, I would, for, 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 you know, for the sheep portion of your hunt, I mean, you gotta, you gotta think every missed shot's a, a arrow's gone. I mean, you're not going to recover arrows that are shattered in the rocks. Um, so it just depends how comfortable you are with shooting and, and how much, you know, how many arrows you want to take as backup. But I would, you know, I would bring an additional half a dozen arrows at least besides what's in your quiver. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jay, knows, Jay knows I like to do a lot of shooting, and, and uh, I'm a fan of <laughs> a lot of arrows. So, yeah, uh, and, that, and that country's hard to, to just stump shoot and practice shoot in because it's a lot of rock and then mm-hmm. moss yeah, over rocks. And so it's... You can go through arrows up there, stump shooting a lot. You have to really be careful about picking your your wh- what you're going to shoot at. Okay. Yeah. And also, arrows arrows disappear under that moss, and you never see them again. Uh, can, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that happened to us in Alaska a few times. We we had we had to dig pretty deep to get them out. Yeah, exactly. Well, you guys have been there and done that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, then, uh, just for other people that might listen to this, how much ammo do you take on a rifle hunt? Oh, that's a good question. I usually bring a full box. Okay, on a on a trip. Um, you'll last load, you'll load the magazine worried about, and then take a box. I'll, I'll load a magazine and bring a box. Okay. okay. Last yeah. thing you want to do is run out of bullets or worry yeah. about your next shot. Yeah. Yeah. It's overkill. I've never gone through a whole box, but I've I've had to, um, you know, I've had to use at times like last year up at the Yukon. I shot three shots at my Ram and realized on the thir- taking the third shot that my gun was shooting high and I fell the night before coming in through a storm and some really tough terrain and put my scope into wow. the rocks. So the next day we had to go recite the rifle in. I mean, I've gone through a lot of, a lot of rounds and then Brennan used my gun to kill his ram. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, it's not, it's good to have extra ammo. There's no reason. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Too. I was kind of the same thing about having yeah. extra arrows too. If I did have an issue where I fell and I was concerned about the bow being, Still zero, yep. you know. I could, I could at least take, I could sacrifice a couple of arrows to find out where I was. So or you fall and put your whole quiver of arrows into some some rocks and shatter them. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time yeah. it's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, it happened. Yeah, you know, the extra release thing is always an interesting topic. Brad carries an extra release in his pack. I always just leave an extra release at a base camp. Um, but uh, you know, I, I guess I've always thought there's so many 
single point of failure is on my bow, like, you know, the rest or the side or the string or the cable or anything, any one of those things fails, it's going to, the whole system's bunk anyway. So, I, but I definitely was going to have an extra release back at the base camp with my backup bow, but Brad usually carries an extra release. In his I would pack. bring an extra release. I'd bring an extra release with you. Yeah. Okay. You're a long ways from base camp. Yeah. And it may be a day or two or three before they can actually get a plane in to drop one off. Yeah. Good point. Depending yeah, on the weather, weather may... They prohibit them flying in to drop one off. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You should bring an extra release in your pack. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I got to stalk an Akuz deer once in Arizona because Cody Cody went to put his release on. It wasn't strapped to his bow anymore after we'd been uh, hiking around all day. So. Uh, yeah, I guess Good lesson, right there. Yep. Yeah. Um. So let, let me switch gears. We're we're getting real close to being wrapped up here, guys. Too with our questions. Um. But uh, we were wondering, like, day hunting away from camp, like, you know, I, I think they said sometimes we may pit, you know, we'll set up camp and we will kind of day hunt away from it, come back to it. Um, what do you typically take with you when you go out hunting, Jason, and, and having your pack? We know, I know you mentioned, like, your, you know, your uh, super down always goes with you, you know, obviously your first aid you know, emergency kit you'd have, rain gear. Yeah, I mean, you're going to bring probably pretty much all your clothes except for maybe your backup. You have 145 zip tee and your extra pair of socks. Everything else will go into your pack because you just don't have that much extra. You need to have it with you. Yep. And then your lunch for the day, obviously. And, you know, that's that's kind of <clears throat> all you'll need to bring. Obviously, you fill up your water, et cetera. But, um, everything else will stay at camp, and then I'll leave. I take my lid off my pack on those day hunts, and just oh, okay. the main, okay. the main, main bag. And the new packs have a a lashing system. Let's the the top of the portion of the pack where the shroud is fold over and actually function more like a day pack for you. Okay, gotcha. And that way you don't have the lid flopping around with gear in the lid. Yeah, and making stocks is out of the way. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, hmm. Good. Do you do you take a <clears throat> something extra to eat just in case you get stuck out overnight? You know, I typically don't. My, you know, I've I've no I I have not had to spend the night, but I've walked all night and ran out of food. Um, yeah. Some just depends on how much you're worried about getting back to camp and having enough food. Okay. I usually don't just because I've got every day planned out, and yeah. um, I've got enough in there to get me through 24 hours if I need to. Okay, gotcha. Cool, Jason. What about just what about any other kind of just general tips or the stuff you'd recommend to people traveling? Maybe maybe one one of the questions I thought of was like any tips for like trophy care and getting your trophies and stuff home, and then or maybe like other tips on traveling in terms of like traveling up there yeah. or back or. I mean, I always recommend traveling with your carry-on with all your optics, all your electronics, anything of value. They'll be hard to mm -hmm. replace. I, we recommend to our clients to travel north in, your, in, in gear that you could potentially hunt in if you had to, if they lost all your luggage. I mean, it's tough for a trip like what you guys are going to have all of it, but you know, I'll travel in solid, our solid attack pants and guide jacket and, and bring some clothes that if for, for some reason your luggage is is has disappeared is not going to be in for a period of time. At least you got something you can hunt in. I even will throw my boots in my carry-on as well. Mm -hmm. And if I've got boots, I've got optics. Um, you know, obviously if your bow shows up, it's different with a rifle hunt. You can always find a rifle to use. You can at least go hunting until your luggage shows up um, yeah. of some sort. We always recommend that. Um, the, you know, you, something about, you know, you really need to think about luggage weight. You're going to be taking, you'll fly to Edmonton, spend the night. You're going to fly to Norman Wells, spend the night. You're flying to base camp. You know, you're on multiple airplanes to get there. And if you're over, overweight on any of your bags, that gets really expensive really quick. Yep. Um, and then the as far as, you know, handling the game on the way home, you, with uh, Tavis's operation, they can send it to a taxidermist. They... Um, or if you're going to travel with your with your um, trophies home, you're going to have to end up shipping them and use a ex expediter to get it across the border. I believe they'll use Talon expediters to do it, and you can arrange that and set it up in town. You will have to bring your sheep in to have 
to and all your animals into the fishing game office prior to catching your flight home. Tablets okay. good information on that, and that's a Norman Wells, and they'll check in your game. They'll plug your RAM and measure it, and um, take all the information off your sheep that they need to record, and then check your tags for your for export for your other animals you harvest. Okay. Okay. And that takes some time, so you need to have plenty of time when you go over there. Usually, the, you'll have a day before you leave um, in Norman Wells, and that gives you plenty of time to go take care of all your all the game with the fishing game and get the exporting set up. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. You um, what? Uh, so you mentioned weight. You know, is and traveling is an issue. Do, do you carry your your backpack on with you, or do you pack it and then carry just like a little light carry-on backpack? I carry on my backpack. I'll take the lid off uh-huh. and put it inside, and then I'll carry my seventy-two hundred as my carry-on, and I'll put my okay. optics, my boots in it, and it'll fit in the overheads. Okay. If you don't overpack it. Uh, okay, you just put the essentials in. Yep. I just okay. cinch it all down so it doesn't look too big so they don't try to stop you from bringing it on. But I've never, yep. ever had an airline not let me carry it on. Gotcha. Yeah. And waist belt stays attached to the pack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, when you do that. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. What what bag, uh, what other bag do you carry your other gear in? Uh, I'll use it. I'll use one of our, uh, for, for a the big portion of my luggage, I use some sort of roller bag just because there's so much gear to get through the airport. Plus, you got your bow cases. Yeah. Um, you know, we're in the development of a whole luggage system for expedition hunts that'll come out probably sometime next year that has a full blown dolly system where the bags can be removed off that to get in the bush planes. Um, nice. but be- until that comes out, some sort of roller luggage that you can strap your bow cases to the top of and get through the airport, but that's not so big that you have one bag that weighs 80 pounds and becomes a really expensive bag to travel north with. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Okay. Jason Jason Harrison, giving wives across the world gift ideas for their <laughs> And the take-you-gear bags are, are a great additional bag, too, um, to, to throw gear in. As a, uh, if you're not going to carry your backpack on the plane with you, um, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I'll check my bag just because if I don't feel like carrying my backpack on, I'll throw it in a take-you-bag and and check it, and then I'll bring a, a take-you bag for my electronics and optics. Okay. Okay. That's nice about uh, those. It's just they're they're impervious to weather. Ah, uh, nice. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. One of those bags would be nice for like uh, putting together for our moose kit. It would be absolutely. And then they could take it in and drop it off. And yeah. And it could sit out there, and and you don't have to worry about the weather. Plus, when you, you'll see when you get off the the plane at, at, at base camp. I mean, the luggage you're going to throw out onto the gravel bar. It's going to sit there, and then it's going to get thrown in the back of a of a uh, UTV, and then take it up to base camp, and then put out. I mean, there's if it's pouring down rain, your stuff will get wet inside of it. So this is nice stuff with your bags and why you created them. Gotcha. Okay. Good. Cool. Awesome. Good man, we've run through we've run through all of our our list of questions, uh, man. I I uh, want to make sure I thank you know Jay and you for uh, getting this together. Really appreciate you taking all this time. We've taken a lot of your time to ask a lot of questions, and uh, just can't thank I, you enough for, for for doing this. It's my pleasure. I love doing this stuff. And uh, just the biggest thing from now until the time you leave is train as much and as as often as you possibly can. Don't get hurt doing it, but you cannot be in good enough shape for this trip coming up. And there's okay. just a, and mentally, it'll put you in a position um, of strength versus going in and thinking, God, I could have done more. I should have done more in training and fitness. And, and you start off doubting your, your ability in those mountains. You mm-hmm. come in, in in really good shape. You dial in your kit. You spend the time to weigh things and put together the list like you guys are doing. You know, the preparation for this hunt makes a big difference versus going in unsure for the first time and you step off that plane and you go, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? And I've seen it happen a lot. Yeah, okay. It's the guys that don't respect what they're doing and don't have a, you know, complete grasp of what they just signed themselves up for. And I've, I mean, you see it every year in base camp, guys are like, you just see this wide-eyed look of like, geez, I had no idea. And you guys have been there and done that, but I always try to tell our customers, <clears throat> preparation gets you mentally prepared for it and gets you confidence going in that you're set up and, and you've got exactly what you need. You're physically prepared, feet are in shape, you've got the right, all the right gear and equipment, and it just le- lets you step off that bush plane with confidence. And that's a big part gotcha. of it. 
Yeah. Awesome advice. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. That also- the, la- the last piece of advice I'll leave you guys with, too, is uh-huh. walk at your own pace. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys will go, oh, I'm going to try to keep up with the guide. I could when I was younger. I hmm. can't anymore. And I will set a pace that I can walk all day, every day. And if the guide uh-huh. wants to go faster, the guide can go faster. And you just he'll keep you in sight and pace yourselves. So you, this is a long adventure. And yeah, the last thing you want to do is bonk early in the trip and put yourself in a, in a bad spot physically and mentally. And mm-hmm. just always advise guys, you know, go at a pace that you can walk all day. And don't try to keep up with the guides because you probably can't. And they may not walk right. the same way you walk and travel that country the exact same way you want to travel it. So I, I just set my pace and stay on that, and it, it makes a big difference versus guys trying to keep up with the guides and, and hurting themselves doing it. Uh, well, since, yeah. and since my guide's carrying the bear protection, I'm going to have a conversation with him about walking at my pace then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they will. I mean, they will. And you just got to set that pace and, and – and stay with it. And the other thing I try to do is I'm always conser- finding ways to conserve energy until I need it. Um, okay. And, you know, you can, if you just go all out all day every day and, you, and then you spot a ram, you need to cover ground to get to him, you have nothing left, it's not yeah. a good spot to be in. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, man, uh, Jay, thanks so much for setting this up. And, Jason, uh, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to visit with Travis and I. Uh, this has been so. This has been so helpful for us, man. We really, good. really good. appreciate it, and and uh, hope that you can uh, bring the family to Texas sometime. And if if you ever do, just consider you know y'all selves as our guests at the caverns. We'd love to host oh, you. Oh, I love to see it. My sometime. kids love it. How old are your kids? I have a son that'll be ten in October. My daughter turns eight in two weeks. Okay. Yeah, they would they would absolutely love it. We've got you know, in, in addition to the caverns, we've got a giant ropes course and zip lines and maze. We got a lot of stuff that the, the you know kids their age would really enjoy. So got to come out sometime. I'd love to come out. So seriously, you you would be our guest, and and then if y'all happened if y'all wanted to do some pig hunting while you were here, we've always got wild pigs on the ranch that uh, need shooting, and and uh, we'd we'd love to host you anytime. And when we'll he, pick up on it. When he says pigs. He's he's underplaying he's he's downplaying pigs. They're everywhere. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love hunting hogs with my bow. It's yeah, so fun. They yeah. were everywhere. For I know sure. California has plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, Thanks, if you have any other any other questions, you need anything else from me between now and then, just don't hesitate to email or call. And um, happy okay. to make sure you guys are totally set up. That's awesome, man. We sure appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Jay, Jay, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. For sure, guys. Everybody, thanks. Uh, wish the Weiss brothers uh, the best on their hunt. And uh, Jason, wish you the best on your stone sheep uh, uh, hunt coming up. And remind all the listeners out there to make sure they go check out uh, kuyu.com and find where the Kuyu Mobile uh, showroom sites are, are going to be uh, all across the U.S. And uh, get out there and, and get out to... Uh, see the gear and and touch it and feel it and uh, Jason you can order the gear too right right uh, at the mobile showroom sites correct yep and and it's and we give a incentive promotional incentive to do so okay and they'll be at their house that week okay sounds good guys we have to talk about getting that truck to get uh, down to, down far enough south to San Antonio next year Jason He's in San Antonio. It's hitting Texas. I, I don't know if it's hitting. We're hitting San Antonio. Well, let me see. Yeah, I know. No, no. You're, I think you're. You're not quite that far south. I think you're getting to Dallas or Houston. I think, but. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, Lubbock, yeah. Lubbock, Dallas, and and Houston. Uh, well, guys, uh, thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks for your time and uh, just another yep, case of thanks, uh, you know customer service and and working with your your peeps. It's uh, obvious that you care and and that's uh, well noticed in the industry. So I appreciate that. And Travis and Brad, uh, we'll catch you later. And uh, thanks for uh, preparing those questions and good luck on your hunt. Okay. All right. Thanks, Jay. thanks guys. Y'all have a great day. Take care. All right. You too. Bye bye. Bye.